Good morning. Please join me in our responsive reading today. Print it in your worship folder and on the screen. God who loves the world so much, we come to meet you here, knowing not only that we are loved by you, but also that we have so much love to give. That's risky, God. It may take us places we do not want to go. It may call for confidence and strength that we do not think we have. When we do, we discover parts of ourselves we left in the attic for years, and we are pursued by the love of Jesus who came into the world and hurt with us, cried over Jerusalem, wept for Lazarus, feels each pain, suffers with and loves every soul as if it were his only child. Oh God, we have much to repent about the times we have not loved, and so much love to give away, because you have lavished love upon us. Amen. morning. Have you found that to be true, that just when we need him the most, that's when he's always there? Isn't that great? Isn't that a wonderful truth that we can claim and, and a wonderful promise from God? And we're, we're grateful for that. Welcome to everyone. We're glad that you're here today. And we welcome you in the name of the Lord as we uh, gather to worship God together. We welcome our guests, especially this morning. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope that you will uh, feel very much a part of our family as we worship God. And we'd like to invite our guests to stop by our hospitality table on your way out. In the foyer, we have a little gift that we would like to give to you, and thanks for your attendance with us today. We'd like to um, 
I'll remind everyone of our attendance sheets there on each row in the, uh, in the pad there. I'd like to ask if you would to take it and uh, sign, sign it and give us as much information as you feel comfortable giving to us and pass it down the road to allow other people to uh, sign, as a, sign it as well so we could have a record of your attendance with us. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter that comes out each Thursday, please be sure to put your email address on there uh, and we'll be sure to get you on the list. It's great to have you here today. It's great to be with God's people in God's house as we worship together. And it's great to share the love of God with one another. So let me invite you to do just that as we uh, greet each other in the name of the Lord. I know you have. As you're taking your seats, I'd like to invite our children to come forward for our children's moment. Mr. Herb is up here for our children's moment, so uh, children, come on up. Come on up, kids. You all look really good today. You really do. The scripture today, in the first part of the scripture, a man asked Jesus, he says, if you choose to heal me, I believe you can. And Jesus said, I do so choose. So I'm going to talk about choices. Okay? Do you all like going to restaurants? Okay. I do too. You know the thing I like about restaurants is they have a menu. And you get to choose from the menu what you want to eat. All the choices, and you get to choose. Ann and I ate twice yesterday. And each time I got exactly what I wanted to eat. And it was so good. I just love restaurants. But you know something? Life's a menu, and you can open it up just like this, and life has got choices. And every day, we get to make choices about life. We get to choose whether or not we'll be nice. Or, what's the opposite of nice? Mean. What did I say? Good job, Jerry. Or we can make another choice from life's menu. We can be loving. Not loving. Well, let me see what I said. Eh, hateful. Let me see another choice. We can choose to be polite. Impolite. Well, let me see what I said. Nasty. Ooh. We can choose to be quiet. What's the opposite of Loud. You all don't know how to be loud, do you? Yep. (laughs) Okay, let me see another choice. We can choose to be giving. What's the opposite of giving? Not giving. I said selfish. What do I know? Okay. We can choose to be willing to help. Unwilling to help. What did I say? Uncaring and unfeeling. Unwilling to help is a better one, I think. We can choose in life to be one who seeks God and Jesus. And the opposite, that's not an easy word, one who rejects God and Jesus. You got it? Okay. The lesson that I hope we take from this is the choices that you make from life's menu bounce back. And they 
determine how people treat you and who you really are. Your grandparents used to listen to watch a guy in the movies called Maurice Chevalier. And he sung a little song, Thank Heavens for Little Girls. But Maurice Chevalier said, life is like a boomerang. What you throw out comes right back to you. So if you want to be mean, hurtful, and hateful, mean, hurtful, and hateful will come back to you. But if you want to be nice and polite and loving, people will be nice. Most of the time, some folks won't. But most of the time, people will be nice, loving to you. So the next time you go into the restaurant and you open up the menu, remember that life's a menu too. And you get to choose from it. And what you choose comes back. Thank you all very much. And I think the youth would like to take a few moments to share with you our church family insightful scripture, quotes, and personal experience regarding prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17 says, Always be joyful and never stop praying. Charles Spurgeon said, True prayers are like those carrier pigeons, which find their way so well. They cannot fail to go to heaven, for it is from heaven that they came. They are only going home. James 5.16 tells us when a believing person prays, great things happen. Often in our Bible studies, Julie challenges us to look at ourselves and to test ourselves to truly see if what we say we believe is actually true. I wonder how many of us uh, pray daily, but yet after that prayer are still being consumed by our problems and fears as though we don't believe the person we are praying to will truly take care of us. Hmm something to think about if you don't feel a sense of relief hope and love do you really have faith in the god you claim to love and pray to test yourselves examine your prayer life and listen for his answer and act on it i think that a good example of when a believing person prays is rachel hobson Um, Whenever I first came to church here, I had never met Rachel, and that's whenever she got sick. And I found out later that she had helped a lot in our church. When I saw pictures of her in the hospital, I started praying, as well as others in the church. Everyone in our church prayed for her. her. These These were true prayers in believing people. When the amazing thing happened that Rachel got better, I personally feel that she only got better because of all the prayers in believing people. Our church has been so blessed with so many miracles due to prayer. Rachel is one of many. Rachel's a blessing to our church, and I can say that she is my friend. When I started coming here, I didn't know her, but now I do, and I know her family really well, too. She is an amazing gift to our church as well as her family. Another prayer is a powerful, a powerful thing that can change lives, and we are very thankful for all the blessings through prayer. We are so thankful for Rachel and her family and her talents. Thank you. Psalm says, listen to my words, O Lord, and hear my sighs. Listen to my cry for help. My God and King, I pray to you, O Lord, our Lord. You hear my voice in the morning. At sunrise, I offer my prayer and wait for your answer. And Thomas Watson says, Prayer is the key to of heaven. Faith is the hand that turns it. As I am here today, I come to tell you about listening to God while praying. As you talk to God in your prayers, it's not how you would hear from your fears. It is how you would hear from your feelings or your heart. When I was younger, I asked my parents how to listen to God. They told me to hear 
but feel out of your heart what he tells you. As you pray, make sure your heart is open to hear the words of God. Psalms 27, 8 says, My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. One final thought. Prayer can be a heartfelt delight when you share what honestly matters to you with the one who knows you best. Our scripture today is from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. A leper came to him, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely, and to spread the word, so that Jesus could no longer go into town openly, but stayed out in the country, and people came to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord.
Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and all the opportunities you've given us. We thank you for giving us the power of prayer and the ability to strengthen our relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ. We are all thankful for your Holy Spirit that binds us together in your faith. Please bless these tithes and offerings that we joyously give and dedicate to you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Wasn't that wonderful? It was brought to my attention that the, uh, the, the choir special was Shout to the Lord, and my sermon's title is Some People Just Can't Keep Their Mouth Shut. Did you plan that? <laughs> and, and that arrangement was by Stan Pethel, who is a professor at, at my alma mater at Berry College. So that's wonderful connection as well. Thank you. What a wonderful, wonderful song that is. Um, have you ever noticed <clears throat> that we live in a world that idolizes celebrity? We do. And it really doesn't matter what a person has accomplished or how much they've contributed to society. All you really have to do to become a celebrity is to keep yourself in front of the media, to keep yourself in front of the cameras. That's all you really have to do. And we have a lot of people in our society who are famous simply for being famous. People like Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie. <clears throat> Those are some good examples. They, and they became so famous that they, they started their own reality show, A Simple Life, which is kind of, well, I'm not going to go there. But, but you know, before that, <clears throat> Paris Hilton pretty much didn't do anything except be an heiress to the Hilton fortune. And she would show up at nightclubs and get her picture take, taken and things like that. Also on the list are other names that are ripped from the tabloid headlines like Brandon Davis and Kim Kardashian, uh, Jack and Kelly Osborne, that's Ozzy's kids, uh, Kevin Federline, that's Britney Spears' ex-husband. And, and these are people who are famous simply for being famous. They, they've never really done anything of note. And I would suspect suspect that most of us would have mixed feelings if we were celebrities. Fred Allen once quipped that a celebrity is someone who works hard to be known and then wears dark glasses so as not to be recognized. <laughs> you know, most of us can probably relate to that. I mean, who wants to live under a magnifying glass? When the late Walt Disney was asked what he thought about being famous, this is what he said. He said, it feels fine when you can get a choice seat at a football game, but it's never helped me to make a good picture or command the obedience of my daughter. It doesn't even seem to keep the fleas off of my dog. If being a celebrity doesn't give you an advantage over fleas, then there's really not that much to it, is there? Disney was a wise man. And he was able to put life into perspective. A few years ago, there was a 310-pound defensive tackle for the Chicago Bears who suddenly make, became a national celebrity. Anybody remember his name? The Fridge. William the Refrigerator Perry. In a four-week period of time, Perry did the unthinkable. He stepped out of his role as a defensive lineman and successfully ran the ball for yardage. He even caught a pass for a touchdown. And then he ran for another touchdown. He was so big that he was hard to bring down, and he just kept going. But this was the first time that a defensive tackle had ever been given the ball to make a touchdown. Sports fans were captivated by this. For many people, this kind of put the fun back into football. Well, Perry became a huge celebrity almost overnight. He, he appeared on The Tonight Show and The Today Show and other network news programs. And, and there were hundreds of requests for endorsements every day. And, and an extra $750,000 in fees came his way. Meanwhile, his mother said, I know he's good, but I don't think he's that good. His wife said, this was great for a while, but now it's getting ridiculous. Yes, you, well. <laughs> Perry himself said, as, as fast as it comes, that's how fast it goes. And he was right. 
But the fridge had more than his 15 minutes of fame. For a while, he was a genuine celebrity. Well, there was one thing that Jesus did not want to be. And that was a celebrity. He had no desire to be a celebrity. You can see that in our lesson for today. A man with leprosy came to him and got down on his knees saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And we are told that Jesus was moved with compassion for him, with pity for him. And he wanted because he wanted this man to be healed. And that's the way Jesus is, isn't he? He wants those who are hurting to be set free from their pain. And people may be hurting in many different ways. You may be hurting financially as you watch the equity in your home drop. You may be hurting emotionally as you watch your children turn their backs on you. God doesn't want that for you. God wants us to live free, beautiful, abundant lives. But Christ did not come into the world to be a physician or a psychologist primarily. There was no way for Christ, while he was confined to his physical body, to heal everyone who needed to be healed. You see, because he was confined to this physical body, he was limited by time and space. And there was simply not enough hours in the day to to take care of everybody. But that doesn't mean that he was not willing. It simply means that he he couldn't do it all within the time constraints that he had. Besides, healing was not his primary mission. He didn't want people to suffer, but neither did he want to be lured away from his primary purpose in life. You see, his primary mission was to establish to establish the kingdom of God in our midst. His primary mission was to preach and to teach and to instruct his disciples so that they could carry on when he was gone. But notice what happens in this encounter with the leper. The man says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And he said, I'm willing. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left the man and he was cleansed. But then something weird happened. You see, Jesus sent the man away With a strong warning. Do not tell anybody about this. Don't tell anyone about this. But go and show yourself to the priests and the others. And and offer the sacrifices for your cleansing. And so what does this man do? He does the exact opposite of what Jesus asked him to do. Mark tells us that he went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the word, it says. And and the result of this was that Jesus could no longer go into the town openly. He had to stay outside of the town, out in the country, and people came to him from everywhere. Did you hear that? He couldn't even go into town because every time he would go into town, he would get mobbed. Now, this was his real mission, to spread the good news of the kingdom of God. But his success as a healer stood in the way of what he was sent to do. Maybe that's the reason that nine times in the Gospels, Jesus tells people to keep quiet about who he is and what he's done for them. Nine times. For example, Jesus raised... Jairus' daughter from the dead, one of the most amazing miracles in, in history. And, what, and then what does he do? He gives them strict orders not to let anyone know about it. He healed a man who could not speak or hear. And then he tells the man not to tell anybody. Now, now think about that for a minute. Here is a man who had not been able to speak or hear For all of his life, and Jesus tells him not to tell anybody, all of a sudden he can talk and Jesus says, don't. (laughs) A little bit unrealistic. 
But it wasn't just the people that he healed. In Matthew 16, 20, we read that then he, he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. And again, in Mark 9, 9, after his transfiguration, he gave his disciples orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. My friends, the last thing that Jesus wanted to be was a celebrity. But unfortunately, celebrity came to him. And in one sense, it killed him. Because you see, the more the authorities knew about him, the more they feared him. He was a threat to the powers that be. And it would be would have been better for him to to keep a low profile, to to don't rock the boat, go with the flow. His primary purpose was not to be a physician, but to tell the world about God's love. Yet still. When he was confronted with someone who was hurting, he could not help but to heal. Why? Because he cared. Because he cared. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. This kingdom that Jesus came to proclaim. This is what it's all about. He himself embodied the love of God. And so when this man with leprosy said to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus couldn't help but to say, I'm willing. I'm willing. Because I care. James Hume tells about a friend of his in in D.C. who woke up one morning to find his His left arm was paralyzed. He couldn't feel a thing in his left hand. And so he rushed off to to the office of a neurosurgeon who was a very famous man. He had ministered to to, uh, presidents and the Navy brass. And and he told him about his arm. And the doctor in in a heavy German accent replied, Do not fear. You have come to the right place. See that diploma on the wall? I was graduated from the University of Vienna. But Hume's friend said, well, doctor, my hand, I can't feel a thing. It is nothing, said the doctor. I am an expert in this field. See that certificate on the wall? I was elected to the Royal Academy of Neurosurgeons. But doctor, his friend asked, did I have a stroke? I I, I can't feel. Be patient, the doctor interrupted. You are in good hands. See that certificate? That's for when I address the the World Institute of... Well, with with that, Hume's friend left the office and and he went to his neighborhood doctor. His neighborhood doctor told him, you just slept on your arm. (laughs) If a feeling doesn't come back until uh, uh, by dinner time, give me a call. Hume says that the moral of this story is that people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. That neurosurgeon mostly cared about displaying all of his accomplishments. But that neighborhood doctor cared about his patient. And Jesus cared about people, too. Even if it gave him less time for preaching and teaching. Even if ultimately it cost him his life, he could not pass someone by who was hurting. And they, in turn, could not help but to talk about the wonderful things that he had done for them. And the more they talked, the more of their friends came to Jesus to be healed as well. And the less time Jesus had for teaching and preaching. We, we could say that this was a vicious cycle, but, you know, there was really nothing vicious about it. Jesus simply cared too much for his own good. And people who encountered him were so touched by him that they simply could not keep it to themselves. And we can understand that, can't we? I hope we can. If Christ has touched your life... How can we be quiet about that? When people have something important happen in their lives, they want to talk about it. 
Besides, they were they were just following Jesus's example. He he responded to them with love and he healed them and they wanted to pass that good good news on to their friends so that they could be healed as well. This was the caring thing to do. This was a Christ like thing to do, to share with other people what Christ had done for them. And so they did. Reverend Richard Fairchild tells about a 92-year-old woman who he calls one of the most beautiful people he has ever met. Unfortunately, this elderly woman was not only advanced in years, but she was also a paraplegic. She was confined, uh, confined to an extended care ward in a hospital, where, and there she, she lived all of her days, splitting her time between her bed and her wheelchair. This dear lady had diabetes and several other problems, and over the years, she had one foot and then another foot and a part of one leg and then another leg amputated so that she could go on living. She had a lot of pain. Most days, she was very uncomfortable. She had no family or close friends to visit her. She had outlived most of them. But what this lady did during her days was quite remarkable because, you see, when she was able to, she would wheel her chair up and down the corridors of her unit where she would pop in and visit with the other folks there on that on that ward. She learned their birthdays and sent them cards. She noticed when someone seemed depressed and she would listen to them talk about their problems and And would give their hand a squeeze and a prayer. She went to the rec room and took part in the games, often helping the the staff help others. You see, this woman was a bright light in a dark place. and, And she was full of joy and peace, despite her own troubles. Reverend Fairchild writes this. He says, I always prayed with her on my visits. I would pray for her. And she would pray for those around her. And she would always give thanks to God at the end of her prayers for his goodness and his love. For how he worked his will and helped her each day, even in the days of pain. Now, do you think this wonderful woman was spreading all that good cheer just to draw attention to herself? No, not at all. People who continually seek to draw attention to themselves are usually the most unhappy people in the world. Her desire was to draw attention to God. You see, Jesus had touched her life and she wanted to share his love with others. She had a story to tell and she told it. And that's the way things ought to be. That's the way things ought to be. I just wish that we were all more like the the people that Jesus healed as well as this elderly woman. I wish that we all felt so much joy from what, what Jesus has done for us that we couldn't help but to tell our story to others. There's one more thing to be said this morning. You see, Jesus' acts of healing validated the message that he came to proclaim. Jesus came to proclaim a kingdom in which people would live in in peace and love with God as their king. And and so the response of the people to his acts of healing was was inconvenient because it turned him into a celebrity and he couldn't move about as he wished he could. But ultimately it it helped to drive home the point that he was trying to make. People came to see that God loved them and that their concerns mattered to God. There's a tragic story that took place in Chicago a few years ago seems there was a 15-year-old boy who was shot by gang members while he was playing basketball. And, and he literally lay bleeding to death in an alleyway just a few steps away from the hospital. 
But the emergency room staff refused to treat him, saying that it was against hospital policy for them to go outside, that they would have to call 911. Well, after waiting about 20 minutes, a frustrated police officer finally grabbed a wheelchair and brought the boy in himself, but it was too late. He died. Now, we don't know all the facts here, and we wouldn't presume to pass judgment on the hospital staff, but but I think each of us knows what Jesus would have done in a situation like that, don't we? He would have given up his life in order to save that boy. And of course, that's exactly what he did do. Not only to save that boy, but to save each of us as well. His actions of, of healing, his actions of, of love, Everything that he did, every miracle that he performed, they all validate the kingdom that he came to proclaim. His message was was not about a distant God who who cared nothing about our needs or our concerns. His message was about a God who has come to us. Who loved us so much that he came to us. And he is working in the hearts of those who are willing to establish a new way of living. A new way of loving and and helping and serving. And so my friends, as we seek to be God's people. And that's what we're called to do. To be God's people. And as we seek to do that, it's my prayer that all of our lives will also validate this message that we seek to proclaim. That the things that we do will validate what we say and what Jesus has said about the coming of God's kingdom into our lives. That in the words of that little chorus that we sang many years ago. The Lord of love has come to us. And we want to pass it on. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. It's number 300. Without him. Words say that without him we would be nothing, and that's true. Because Christ has given us our very lives. God has given us our very lives, and without him we would be nothing. And especially without him we would be nothing spiritually, because there's nothing that we can do to earn the favor of God. It's something that God does freely, and that's what grace is all about. There may be someone here today who's never made a commitment to Christ before, and we invite you to do that this morning. To say yes to this this King who heals. This Lord who serves. This One who loves us so much that He can't walk by someone who is suffering without relieving their suffering but who also proclaims to us the kingdom that needs to be in our lives, a kingdom of love and peace and service, so that we would render unto others the same way that he does, that love and that peace and that service to others. If you've never made a commitment to that Christ, I hope you'll do it today. If you're looking for a church to join and be a part of, we invite you to unite with our church today. Or maybe you just need a time of prayer. We'll be glad to pray with you or for you. And we invite you to come as we sing number 300. Without him, we would be nothing. Would you come?
thank you for your presence with us today. Just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone that uh, this afternoon, tonight, we're going to be having our Valentine's dinner, and uh, this will be an event whereby the men of the church are preparing the meal and decorating and putting out the tables and serving the meal to the women of the church. Um, And I'll remind you that that is because the men lost that uh, competition that we had back in November uh, for bringing in canned goods for uh, the Christian outreach. Uh, But actually, the Christian outreach were the winners on that, and we're glad for that. But we don't want to um, we don't want to end it there. Uh, As some of you know, we are collecting peanut butter and jelly for Christian outreach right now. And so when you come tonight, let me challenge you to bring some peanut butter and jelly and we'll have that for Christian outreach. We got some out here already, but uh, we could have a lot more. So let me challenge you to bring some peanut butter and jelly tonight um, uh, for our, our dinner, and I promise you that will not be on the menu. <laughs> also, in, in relation to that, uh, we're, we're going to be setting up tables and everything, so if we could ask uh, some of our strong backs to, uh, to help us reconfigure our, our building and uh, take up some of the chairs and put out some tables, we'd appreciate it, uh, any help that we can give, that we can get right now. And, and, uh, and for the men of the church, um, if you could come back here right after lunch, uh, I think some will be here at 1 or, or whenever you can come back, as, however long it takes you to, to eat lunch. Um, um, please come back and we'll start preparing. And if we can get everything done, we'll send you home and let you come back around 5 or so. Uh, so that will be a good time. Also, on Wednesday, we're going to be having our, our blood drive. Uh, Jika will be glad to take a, an appointment from you if you would like to uh, have an appointment for that. That's uh, Wednesday, so see her. And uh, we are planning on a mission trip this summer, June the 8th through the 16th. Actually, we will probably be leaving on the 10th, on Sunday afternoon, the 10th, and, and coming back that next Saturday. We're going to be going to Owsley County, which is in eastern Kentucky, to build a house. We're going to be joining some uh, volunteers from all over Kentucky, and I think, most, I think everybody's from Kentucky. There may be a few people from out of state, but most people from Kentucky. Probably be a hundred or more volunteers from around the state, and we're going to build a house in one week, one week. They'll have the foundation up before we get there, but then we're going to get there and and attack it like a beehive and build a whole house in one week and then turn the keys over to the new owners on Saturday. How about that? That'll be a great thing to be a part of. So uh, if you would like to be a part of that, there's a sign-up sheet back on the uh, the, um, bulletin board back here. Please sign up on that. And we will probably be leaving on Sunday and coming back the following Saturday. But you can stay for any amount of time that you want. You can go for a night. You can go for three nights. You can go for the whole week, however you want to. Uh, but we'll, we'll be planning on going from Sunday to Saturday there. Um, we're grateful that you are here today, and it's good to, to be in God's house. Let us bow for our benediction. Now may the Lord of peace personally give you peace at all times and in all ways. The Lord be with you all. Amen.